as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, we'll begin by singing this simple refrain. There is nothing to fear, for I am with you always. Let's sing. And there is nothing to fear, nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear, nothing to fear, for I am with you. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Welcome to everyone joining us for this time of prayer and worship. I cannot see your circumstances. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you're gathered as a household or a family. But our Lord sees each of us, and it is very good to be together. Today we are departing from our regular Lenten sermon series, and Pastor Walter will lead us in a meditation on Psalm 46. But as we begin together, let me start with a reading of a portion of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And all God's people say, Amen. Please pray with me. Most high God, you are the Lord over all your creation. You are present everywhere and in every situation. Absolutely nothing escapes your notice. Nothing surprises you. Nothing frustrates your plans, your good plans for your people. You are the safe and unshakable refuge for your people in all times and all places. And so we praise you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, as I lead us in a time of confession, you may choose to close your eyes or bow your head as you would normally. You might even kneel to bring yourself into a posture of confession. And please pray with me now. Jesus, you reminded us that in this life, we will have trouble. And you promised us that we can take heart because you have overcome the world. You tell us we don't have to fear because perfect love 
casts out fear, and you love us perfectly. Yet in our current reality of uncertainty and disruption, it is easy to forget these truths. It is easy to fear. Lord, forgive us where we have been motivated by fear instead of love. Forgive us if we have forgotten or ignored those who are more vulnerable to this disease, those who are committed to the care of the sick, those who are more financially vulnerable and who aren't easily able to change their daily routines. Forgive us if we've felt any relief of knowing we are less vulnerable than some of our older or weaker neighbors, and we've not been moved to pray for them just as urgently as we pray for ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, if we have been anxious and busy consuming information for our own protection, that we have forgotten to grieve the sick and the dead around the world. Forgive us, Lord, when in our fear we have sought enemies to blame. Forgive us for any unkind or unjust thoughts toward people in certain places or of a certain race. Forgive us, Lord, if we have forgotten how generous you are in your love for us. If we believe that you hoard or withhold good things from us, we are more tempted to hoard any good things we have instead of sharing them with others. Lord, we do not yet know how long this trouble will last, but we do know that you, O oh God, are with us, and you tell us we have nothing to fear. Jesus, you have overcome our greatest troubles, even death itself, and you are present with us by your Holy Spirit. In this time of trouble, would your Holy Spirit make us more alive to your love over any fears? And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, now we continue in our time of worship by giving. And whether you are giving online today or mailing in a check, we might also consider how we have the chance to give of ourselves by caring for our neighbors in this time.
the needy and for attending to the weak and the faint. Thank you for being a God who heals. We thank you for the good news that in the midst of the worst, you bring beauty amidst the ash and you bring us hope by inviting us to take up hopeful acts that spread your loving kindness. So we ask that you would use our gifts that we might bring joy to our neighbors to the praise of your name. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him 
This morning we have a great deal to pray about. We're going to pray for our whole earth. We're going to pray for our country, our local community, our households, and our own hearts. Please pray with me. Lord, we call out to you, and we place our confidence in your love and your power, your compassion and your mercy. We are safe in your hands. The whole earth is facing the danger of this new coronavirus. We share a common humanity under your hand, for you are the God of all the earth. There is no other. Lord, please let the nations lay aside their fear of each other, their hatred of each other, and may they help and serve one another. May enemies act as friends and neighbors in this crisis. We ask that the countries least able to protect their people might be spared the infection. We ask that you would give the nations a godly solidarity, not like the pride and ambitions of Babylon. May this moment be a moment of healing to your world in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask for this country, the United States. Our wealth and our scientific prowess are wonderful gifts of your grace. But we as a people have turned away from you to self-confidence, and we now turn back to you, and we ask for your help. Please help our government to work as one, putting the interests of the people before their own. May they be wise and just in distributing care and relief, especially to those most in need and easiest to overlook. Grant, O oh Lord, their leadership and their decisions to be effective. And we ask that this disease and all it brings, how it reveals how frail we are as a society, and we would ask that you would give this country a godly solidarity, not like the pride and ambitions of Babylon. May this moment be a moment of healing for this country in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask for our local community. Please bless those people who are working for the good of others. We ask that you would grant that the hospitals not be overwhelmed. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to how we can cooperate with each other rather than compete. Give our city and country the unselfish character needed, first to see the needs of others and then to serve them, especially those most frail and easiest to overlook. May this moment be a moment of healing for our community in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask for the households that you have set us in. Please help the students and the teachers and the caregivers while the schools are closed. And Lord, our jobs and schedules are disrupted. Give us patience, like the patience of Jesus, overlooking small offenses. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes to see our neighbor's need for help, for time, for our energy and our money. Mobilize us for the service of the weak and the easiest to overlook. And may this moment be a moment of healing for our households in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask for each one of our own hearts. We ask for your protection from the coronavirus. We ask that we may know, each know your presence and comfort. May those who are anxious find peace and confidence in that nothing can separate them from your love for them. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see who around us needs help and comfort, especially to those most in need and easiest to overlook. May this moment be a moment of healing for our own hearts in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, we call out to you and we place our confidence in your love and your power, your compassion and your mercy. We are safe in your hands. And we pray for Pastor Walter as he comes and delivers a sermon to us, that our hearts would be open to hear from you. And we pray all of this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Greetings on this Lord's Day. Clearly, we are not meeting in person, not because we fear the virus, but because we love the vulnerable. We are going the extra mile to protect and to prevent. This past week, we have witnessed an international crisis become national and now turn personal. It is no longer just out there. It is here. I have dear friends who are locked down in Europe, congregants at my former church in Boston who have been struck by this virus and are breathing through excruciating pain. It is not a curiosity or an inconvenience. It is a crisis of deep concern. But we as God's people do not respond in fear, but in faith. Where is our confidence in the chaos of coronavirus? Hear what the psalmist has to pray. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her, she will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On December 26th, 2004, the world saw this psalm become literally true. On that day, one of the most powerful earthquakes ever recorded ripped the earth underneath the Indian Ocean, right off the coast of Indonesia. The earthquake was so catastrophic that it literally caused the entire planet 
to vibrate a half an inch. And that vibration, in turn, caused a series of massive tsunamis. A series of waves up to 100 feet high slammed into communities surrounding the coasts of the Indian Ocean. Fourteen countries impacted. On the first Sunday after that tsunami, a friend and ministry colleague of mine attended a church service in Indonesia, right near the epicenter of the earthquake and the tsunami. Right at the place where the earth had literally given way, where the seas had foamed and roared, where the mountains quaked with their surging. Literally at the place where a nation was in uproar and a kingdom fell. Literally at the place where over 200,000 people had been killed in about a half an hour. What do you say as a pastor on that Sunday? The pastor preached from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Be still and know that I am God. In a sea of chaos, we find comfort in the safe harbor of God. And then we find courage to go back out to sea. Chaos and calamity will strike us in a fallen world that is broken and bent by sin. We cannot avoid calamity. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surgings, though the nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall, trouble comes and we will not be spared. The psalmist embraces the reality and magnitude of life's problems. Our world is confronting a pandemic. It is a harsh reality that requires an honest appraisal. This virus is inflicting devastating consequences in the loss of life and in the massive disruptions to all the ways of life that we know. Economies in chaos. Government officials seeking to understand when do we move from containment to mitigation? When do we lock down an entire country? How are we to respond? Honestly, we often meet chaos with yet more chaos. Frank, frantic circumstances with frantic responses. Panic in the face of a pandemic. We try all sorts of things, emergency measures, breathing techniques, we become glued to the news on our phone. 
and the latest update from the CDC. Prayer often is the last thing we do, a last resort. When we have no options left, I guess we pray. But it should be the first place we go. The psalmist puts all the chaos of life into a greater reality. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. In a sea of chaos, we find comfort in the safe harbor of God. Here, the emphasis is not on what God does, but who God is for us. It's not so much that he gives us power to endure, but we find power within his very presence. We are invited to lose ourselves in him. And in losing ourselves in him, to find ourselves in a safe harbor. He is our refuge, a security. He is our strength, our power, when we feel helpless. And he is our solace, an ever-present help in times of trouble. This declaration becomes for us an invitation. What does a child do in a moment of fear? He reaches out to grab his mother's hand and look up into her eyes. Or this little child, she may wrap her arms around her father's leg, clinging to it. as her father pats her on her back and embraces her. God is our security, our strength, our solace. But the psalmist goes on. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Ever since ancient times, water was vital to our existence. Cities arose around seas and rivers. Consider the capital Thebes on the river Nile in Egypt or the capital Babylon on the Euphrates River in Mesopotamia. Everyone knew to build a city where a river would run through it. Why? When those cities were attacked, they could depend upon the river for a source of water and food as a place of protection or escape. So we may think the psalmist has the same thing in mind with Jerusalem. But the thing is, there is no river that goes through Jerusalem. There's no river in Jerusalem. So what does the psalmist have in mind? When he says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, does he need a geography lesson? No. He is giving us a theology lesson. The river that goes through that city, that protects, that sustains, that is the source of comfort and confidence, is God himself. God is there as the river that makes glad the city of God. That's why the psalmist goes on. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. And when this river of life, this river of comfort and confidence comes to us, it will not just be God with us, but God in us, 
For the Christian, this psalm looks forward to the day when Jesus said in John chapter 7, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. When this river of life, of comfort, of confidence, of protection, when it comes to us, it is not just God with us. It is God in us. It is God present in our homes right now dispersed through Charlottesville. In your car as you're driving to see if there's any supplies at Costco left. Wherever you may be listening to this, know that there's a river following you, surrounding you, flowing from within you, the Spirit of God. But this is not just a river with us, not just a river in us, but a river that flows through us into the new creation. When God sums up all his work in time and space, when pandemics will be in the past, when every pain that we ever knew and every sorrow that we ever encounter will be in the rearview mirror, when he sums up all of creation, he writes a concluding paragraph He puts a great amen on his work, and he takes us to a river. In Revelation 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, there will be no longer any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. We are bound for that promised land. What a wondrous heavenly scene that rises to our sight Sweet fields arrayed in living green and rivers of delight. We are all bound for this promised land where tears are washed away. And so we have our comfort and confidence in the safe harbor of God. Because we know where we're going. We know how the story ends. And because of that, we can take courage and go back out into that stormy sea. We can go back out to bring news, good news, no, great news. We can go back out to bear fruit for the healing of the nations. In this sea of chaos, we find comfort in the safe harbor of God and courage to go back out to sea. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Okay, this this translation, be still, it's fine. But it has come to us to have certain connotations, a certain picture of passivity. Be still, breathe. Maybe cloister yourself. Isolate yourself. This is how we 
most often apply this verse, and it could be passive. And it's an appropriate application, but it is not the central meaning. The command be still actually means throughout the Old Testament, let go, release, abandon. It's not a passive word, it is an active word. It's even a passionate word. In the Song of Songs, the woman says of her lover, when I found him whom my soul loves, I held him and I would not let him go. This word. I would not let him go. She's not saying I'm going to be still and just watch my lover. She is clinging to her lover and would not let him go. Most often this verb refers to the Lord's relationship to us. Five times we are told that the Lord would not let us go. He wouldn't abandon us. He wouldn't forsake us. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses commands, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. And it is the Lord who goes before you. Because the Lord will not let us go. We can let go. We can release everything else. Because the Lord has a firm grasp on us, we can release our fears and the things that cause us dismay. Release your anxieties. Abandon them to God. Release your selfishness. Let it go. Leave it at the door. Abandon it. Release your insecurities and know that he is God. And when God's people release, when God's people let go, when God's people leave it at the door, when they abandon fear, they move out in faith. To serve. To serve even in the midst of a sea of chaos. And this has always been true of God's people. In the early years when Christianity was being persecuted, when it was a fledgling faith in the Roman Empire, seeking to squash it out of existence, there was a turning point. There was a moment when the power of the gospel became apparent to the world. In 165 AD, there was a devastating epidemic that swept through the Roman Empire. Perhaps the first appearance of smallpox the world had ever known. When everyone fled the cities, crime disease, filth-ridden places, places of misery. When people fled, Christians stayed to tend to the afflicted. They met misery with mercy. And what was true of Christianity in its earliest years remains true of Christianity today. I think of some dear friends who are missionaries in Africa 
whose brother serves as a medical missionary in particularly the country of Angola, the country with the highest mortality rate in the world. Dr. Foster, white-haired missionary surgeon who had lived there for 37 years, serving in a period where Angola was ruled by Marxists hostile to Christians. Dr. Foster recounts that we were granted visas by the very people who would publicly tell us, your churches are going to disappear in 20 years. But privately, they would turn to us and say, you are the only ones we know who are willing to serve in the midst of this fire. Christians are the first to arrive and the last to leave. Christians donate more of their income to charity, volunteer more hours, serve at more soup kitchens, food pantries, women's shelters throughout this country than those without faith. The world may know this as a moment of crisis, and such it is. But I pray that that years from now, that years from now, when people write about this moment in time, they will be able to say the Christians showed up. May it be so. Amen. Dear ones, this morning we are not celebrating communion, but we do celebrate our union together in Christ. Let's sing together this closing song.
Children of God, lift up your hands, lift up your hearts. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, Let us close as we always do, dear ones. The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Go out greeting one another in that peace. God is our refuge, our strength, and our shield. Be still.